There we go. I encourage you guys, if you're here, to be here. Be present. What are they called? Mindfulness? I think they call it. Anyway. But I get what they're saying. You know, you can be thinking about what you're going to do after the meeting. You can think about Monday. Maybe there's a lot waiting for you. You can be distracted. And that often is what chokes out the word. So you can hear, like, whoever you're... You can have Billy Graham, and it could not benefit you if you let distractions choke out, whoever you would esteem. So I'm just going to pray for our ears. The Lord knows you. He knows everything about you. Don't play poker with Him. There's no bluffing. Everything's naked laid bare. Like, it's a strange thing. Like, we're all, we can all have a sort of a facade, a persona by which we navigate the world. You learn that at a young age when you go to high school or elementary school, and you realize when you're really yourself, you get a little bit pummeled. So you learn to put a persona, and that only grows as you get older. Not so with God. We just heard the love that He has for us. Now that's hard, unfathomable. He has to communicate that to us. When I tell you God loves you, you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Love is everywhere. Love is love. You hear all these things around it, but that's not what we're talking about. He communicates it to you through His Spirit. Be present. Lord, we, we ask, we lift our ears to You. We don't want to hear for other people. We want to hear for ourselves. I want to hear. Please pray for our hearts to receive the word implanted. Even the most calloused heart here, even the most hurt heart, I just pray your truth would penetrate, that you would cause growth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it's exciting. We are on the last, uh, cha- uh, last chapter of James and the last verses of James. And so I'm just going to get right into it because of time's sake. It might be a bit longer. I trust that it won't be. I will do my level best. When I was a kid, whenever the preacher took his watch off, there was problems. Like you'd see, he doesn't have a watch. How does he know what time it is? It's terrifying. But let's get into it. Thank you, Lord. But above all, my brothers and sisters, above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath. But your yes is to be yes and your no, no, so that you do not fall under judgment. Interesting, above all. He said a lot of things, but he makes a statement above all. And he's highlighting again the tongue. And if you recall, the tongue is something throughout James, he's, he's sort of pointing towards that we must be aware of this thing. In fact, he says an incredible statement earlier on in the letter. He says, if a man is able to bridle his tongue, he's a perfect man. And if you look at James, in chapter 3, he talks about what the tongue does, man. If we could all learn to shut it, we'd live in a better world, essentially, with Twitter and all of these things. But he's highlighting something a bit different here. He's, he's highlighting oaths or vows. Now, when's the last time you took an oath or a vow? Kind of a bit foreign to our culture. If, I imagine if you were to go before the court and you were to be a witness, I think they'd make you say a vow, right? I swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, Right? That's kind of a vow thing. Well, not so in this particular time in Israel. Oaths and vows were were quite prevalent. In fact, they would would have various gradients of oaths and vows. And the most religious people would actually know the oaths that were truly binding and the ones that weren't. So they could could, could say an oath, but it would sound as though it would bind you, but in the end it would give you a way of escape. 
So it became a really, it's a, it's a really big deal, this oaths and vows. In fact, Jesus actually highlights this in Matthew chapter 5. He says, again, you have heard the ancients were told, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, take no oath at all, neither by heaven, for the throne is of God, it is a, the throne of God, nor by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you take an oath by your head, for you cannot make a single hair white or black. But make your statement is yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond this is of, the evil, is of evil origin. Interesting. So you'd say, I swear by Jerusalem. I swear by the mountains. I swear. So it's just like, wow, wow, this guy's serious. But it didn't have any substance to it. Who do you think you are? You're going way beyond your pay grade. You will notice that again through this, this passage, humility is a critical component that glues it together and helps from that position us to hear these words and be able to apply them well. Anything beyond yes or no has evil origin because in it there's a level of deception and mixture. And he's, he's clear in John 8. Uh, you guys remember doing that, making a promise and kind of crossing your legs? Yeah, I'll be there. Sorry, dude. Had my fingers crossed. This is Jesus talking to Pharisees. Not very Christian of them. I get it. You're of the father the devil. Incredible. And you do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in, uh, in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whatever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. For he is a liar and the father of lies. What can we glean from this in 2024? You ever say, I promise I'll be there? We, we'd say that, eh? Like the kids, like I say, are you going to empty the dishwasher? No. Are you going to, obviously when you ask the second time, I promise I will. Why? Because many times we come home and it's not empty. If you say you're going to do it, you do it. And I think we can relate to, there's something here that I think we've all partaken in. Where we've said we would do something flippantly, or meet, meet a requirement to someone and completely forgot it. It's, it becomes a bit of a, 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 a pattern, I think. How many times do you say, I'll pop in and see you? Let's do coffee sometime. I'll pray for you. That's, a, that's the one you got to remember. I'll be there at such and such a time. And you're always late. You won't be there at three. You're perpetually late. You'll, you better say, I'm uh, usually late. I'll meet you at 323, because I'm generally around 23 minutes late. We must pay close attention. Do you respect what you say? Do you think about what you say? This one hit me because, I mean, it's just kind of the Vancouver way. Have you ever been Vancouvered? This is an actual term. You guys, has anyone heard this? This is when people commit to coming to your house party and quickly just cancel at any time. There's no real commitment. The fingers are crossed. If anything more Interesting comes up, I'm going to go to that. I always say to the Lord, Lord, it's snowing out. Steen is calling to people. Call them in, or it's summertime, and, and the mountain biking's calling to people. If anything better comes along, you're off doing that. There's a conviction needed in, in our being that what, in what comes out of our mouths to stand fast in this. Just don't say anything is the best thing that I can glean from this. And I do think it's a habit um, of course, these habits uh, 
Jesus relates to somebody we probably don't want to be related to in any way, Satan, the devil. Um, but I do think it's something we can get in the pattern of the way we speak to each other. Like run in your mouth, you know? It's sort of this, yeah, 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 good man, we should do coffee. When? Oh, oh um, hmm. And I really think it's just something that, that is just kind of highlighted on its own here in James, and we're going to jump out of it. But it's something that is significant. Don't Vancouver people. Just don't commit quickly. Think about it. I heard this from a, a guy who planted a church in Germany, and he's, I think he was from South Africa, and he went to Germany, and he asked the, uh, this German church, and he said, can I get any volunteers? And no one volunteered at all. But two, le- two weeks later, when they had considered what he said, people volunteered. Because they considered it. And it was just something cultural he'd never experienced before. Think before you speak. Amen? <laughs> he continues, James chapter 5. It should be 13. I don't know why the one, where the one left. Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you can be healed. I want you to notice the prescriptive nature of this. Prescriptive, a prescription, a, a prescribed course of action given here. There's three different scenarios we see. He's calling for action. Are you suffering? It means hardship. Are you going through a tough time? What's the remedy? Well, clearly one of the remedies he's highlighting here is to pray. Are you cheerful? You must sing praises. Anyone sick? I mean, we pray about this as elders. Like, we can't wait for the day people come to church because they're sick. I'm sick. I better get to church. And we're going to investigate this and unpack it. And, and it's kind of a mysterious passage that I, being an elder at the other church in this church, like for 20 years I've looked at. But let's, let's just dive in a bit here. There's, he calls for a different type of action here. And it kind of gets interesting. And he elaborates around this condition of sickness. And he goes into greater instruction. Is there anyone sick? Hello? Anyone sick here? The elders must call the sick person and invite themselves over. No, it doesn't say that. No, the initiation is from the individual. The individual calls the elders. They must call them. Unlike the other two conditions, suffering and cheerfulness, we see that the one with sickness is to ask for assistance from the church, is to reach out beyond themselves. First to the elders and second to one another, to pray for one another. There seems to be something of spiritual authority required in this situation, just in reading it. The elders are a delegated authority to lead God's people in the local church. They have a mantle of authority that's called for in this situation. Now, I'll speak more on that in a bit, but I just, just looking at the instructions, they, the elders are given two things they must do. They are anoint the person with oil. And I'd like to look at that just to build faith in you. Like, what? Because if you've never experienced that, you might think that's rather odd and archaic. 
I'd like to look at a bit on this, just this, this is not a new thing, the anointing with oil. And if I look at things like with Aaron and his sons, it, it, he anoint, he's, Moses is called to anoint his sons here, with him and his sons for the service. And you shall anoint them just as you have anointed their father, which is Aaron, so that they may serve as priests to me. And their anointing will qualify them for permanent priesthood throughout their generations. And, of course, we recall the anointing of Elisha, the anointing of David. When David was found by Samuel, he anointed him with oil. Oil represents the Holy Spirit. It's a, he's, and the Holy Spirit is a seal from God for us. And there's other scenarios. I'm not going to go through a ton, but just building, building his faith, so understanding through the word around anointing oil. And this is Jesus and Mary Magdalene, and, and it's just one scripture. I understand I don't have time to get into full context, but he says to the to the religious leaders that invited them, he says, you did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. So clearly in the culture, there was something of a receiving someone, an honoring in the anointing. One last scripture that's a bit more closer to home around what James is getting at here to help us unpack and understand in Mark 6. And they were casting out many demons and they were anointing with oil many sick people and healing them. This is a closer parallel, getting towards what I think James is, is getting at. Uh, and so likewise, the elders need to anoint with oil, it says. Second, they must pray in faith. Not just pray, but pray in faith. Now, if you've heard anyone speak on healing, many times you will say, hear them say, you never pray for healing. Jesus never prayed for healing. Jesus may never have prayed for healing, but you'll find that James does and Peter does. And so they're called to, to pray in faith. It's, it's meant to be a place, like if you look, it's not meant to be a frenzied thing. Do you remember when Peter, I think it was Acts 9, Peter was called to, to pray for a girl named Dorcas. Now that's not a name that's made it into our current uh, top 100, Dorcas. I always laughed as a child. And of course he says, come forth Tabitha. So I don't know which it is. But I always found it humorous. But he, would, he went into the room with Dorcas dead, and he, he got everyone out. And he got on his knees and prayed. He didn't even look at her, it seems, because it says, he looked towards her and said, Tabitha, rise. But he calmed things. He, he, he was like, he steadied himself to hear from the Lord. And he turned. And there's something to be learned in that. There's not a frenzy. There's faith. And much of this is just received by faith. There are intricacies in this passage that I don't have full revelation on. I just like its prescriptive nature. Just want to continue here. James highlights some type of relationship between sin and sickness. Now, I know this is a faux pas, especially if you've grown up and believing in healing. The last thing you want people to do is feel bad that somehow sin and sickness are connected. But invariably, I can't help but see it in Scripture. So just chill for a sec. Chill. You're sick. I'm not. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But we want to see what the Scripture says. Because if we'll know the truth and receive the truth, we will be set free. True humility is not to gauge truth on whether we like it or don't like it. Do you have ears to just hear what you already believe? Or do you have ears to be challenged? Or are you rebuke-proof? Do you enough, know enough theology that you can stay in your sin? We humble ourselves. Say, okay, Lord. I don't see enough healing. 
We say, Nick, I don't believe God heals everyone. Okay, how about 50%? Okay, not 50. How about 25? It seemed to be ubiquitous within the New Testament. And you're going to see why, actually. I want to show you something through Jesus' life here um, that we can get into. But let me first say this. Is smoking bad for your health? It's a question mark. What if I'm uh, in Russia? Does it affect them the same? I can't hear you. Very judgmental of you, by the way. How dare you? You don't know who they are. You don't know what they've been through. Incredible. Typical Canadian. Sorry, folks. Sorry, those that are visitors here. See, I think that's a Marlboro man, by the way. I grew up desiring Marlboros because of that man. See, smoking is bad for your health. We all get that. We do something physical, it has a physical manifestation. What we have a challenge with is doing something spiritual that has a physical manifestation. That's the difference between the Greek mind and, and the Hebrew mindset. The Gnostic, the Greeks, they separate the non-physical and the physical. So it's hard for us to see that. Is sin bad for your health? No way, Nick. There's no connection for us. It's actually even hard for us to fathom. To a Jew, if you're sick, you go where? To the priest. If you've got spiritual issues, you go where? To the priest. To us in the first world, if we've got physical issues, we go to the doctor. Is it wrong? No, they desire to heal. It's nothing. I'm not against doctors. Just trying to build this out. You can please, you can feel free to disagree with me. Just trying to unpack a difficult passage that we just slice up and we're done. But we have to get deeper here because James has really highlighted this. Is sin bad for your health? It's just harder for us to go, yeah. Well, what if you're in Russia? What if you're in India? What if you're in China? You mean, it's the same thing. It's toxic to the human condition. But we often separate it. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says what? Through one man, sin came into the world. And through sin, death came. If, if you party with demons and darkness, they're never single. They always invite their friends. Right? The thief can only kill, steal, and destroy. Yeah, I got kill, steal, and destroy here. Can we come in? Knock, knock. They never party alone. And so through sin, death came. Death, what? Physical? What? We know it killed the spirit. We understand that to be born again is, is talking of a spiritual condition. But there was an effect that he seems to be highlighting here. Are we comfortable with that statement? <laughs> okay, so let's just look into it. As Jesus passed by, John, sorry, John 9, 9. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? That is very Hebrew thought. A Greek would never think that. Jesus answered, it was neither that his this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Is sin and sickness always related? No. So relax. But if you're a seeker of truth, you don't mind being offended. You, don't, you will pursue this to see what, what the Word says, what God says. I want to show the, the, Jesus' display of healing as it's associated with the forgiveness of sin. 
And this offended the Pharisees. And they brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a stretcher. That is Jesus. And seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man who was paralyzed, Take courage, son. Your sins are forgiven. It's an inflammatory statement considering the context he was in. He didn't say you're healed. He said your sins are forgiven. Now this starts to get a bit more what James is kind of referring to. And some of the scribes said to, uh, to themselves, this man is blaspheming. And Jesus perceived the thoughts and said, why are you thinking evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? So that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to hit paralyze, the paralyzed man, get up, pick up your stretcher and go home. And he got up and went home. And when the crowd saw this, they were awestruck and they glorified God who had given such authority to men. See, Jesus coupled with, you knew he could forgive sin because he healed. There was, this, there was this dealing of the inner and the outer person. And, and this is something that we have to grapple with because our mindsets are so different for this. And I think one of the reasons the elders are called in and James, they called in, it's an issue of authority. And I know that all sickness, and you have to just chill, especially if you're a person that loves condemnation and self-deprecating thoughts. I suck, I suck. Yeah, okay. Hey, it's not about you, though. You're not going to get healed. You're not going to walk in water looking in the mirror. You're going to look at walking, looking at Jesus. He's it. So how much you feel you're a deficit, we're all in the deficit. It's okay. We all have, need Jesus. James is a, he's encouraging us to pray. And he's going to, he's, to a Jew, the next verse is very powerful. Of all the encouragements he's going to use to the church and the elders to pray, he's going to use Elijah. Now, as a Jew, this is the Mac Daddy. This is the boss man. This is the prophet of prophets. This is the prophet that actually was on when, when, when Jesus transfigured and Moses appeared and Elijah appeared. The law and the prophets appeared. Elijah represents the prophets. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And every Jew is like, I don't think so. Yes, it was. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the skies poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. This is a man that's highly esteemed. This is a man highly honored. He's extraordinary. The miracles he did, if you recall, I, I believe it's 1 Kings 17, 18, when he's before Ahab and Jezebel. You've all heard of Jezebel. This man stood. Prophets of Baal, he called down fire. This, Elijah, are you seriously saying this, James? He was just like us. Wow. That's a remarkable statement. He kind of strips away any excuses. Of course, we're all saying, you don't know me, James. I don't think so. But you have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead abiding in you. We don't build a tabernacle for God. We tabernacles with us. And this is a key part of breaking down the Greek mindset, especially concerning healing and other, other challenges that, no, there's an effect. There's something that can go on. Jesus says to the adulterous woman, he says, go and sin no more, lest a worse thing befall you. Do you believe that sin is unhealthy? 
Besetting sin is unhealthy. Have you ever been freed from a besetting sin? And well, you feel healthier. The weight is gone when it's taken off of you. Why? Because it's toxic to you. It's a strange thing that you wouldn't want anyone to challenge on sin. No, I want to stay unhealthy. No, dude, dude, we gotta, there's a cure for that particular ailment that is causing you such discomfort. No, I'm keeping it. You'd never do that in the natural. But how much do we do it in the supernatural? And you see this combination here going on with physical and spiritual healing. And they're not completely divorced from one another, but there is some level of connection that James is highlighting here. My brothers and sisters, if anyone among you strays from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that the one who has turned a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Intriguing passage. Right? We started off with, if anyone's suffering, okay. Suffering, you pray, okay. Yeah, anyone ever, anyone uh, joyful, just rejoice. And then the sick, he just poof, opens up. It gives us really interesting insight that we have to watch where our hearts of insecurity are. Where we have to go, okay, Lord, is there anything? We know it's toxic. Lord, search me, try me, show me if there be any wicked way. Watch self-examination. People do that on Google, eh? They'll check it out. I got a cough, I got this thing. And they, they self-diagnose and they're often way off. I remember my brothers doing that with my mom's car over the phone. None of them are mechanics. None of us know what to do with the car. But we knew what was wrong with my mother's car. We were all completely wrong. How do we do that with ourselves? You yield to the Lord. You yield to the Spirit. Paul even says in 1 Corinthians that I know nothing of against myself. 1 Corinthians 4. I know nothing of against myself, but by this I'm not acquitted. It is the Holy Spirit that cross-examines. You will either be too easy on yourself or way too hard on yourself. It depends which way you kind of lean, your, your flavor, you know? And we all understand this. Paul is, or James is concerned here for these people that they would bear each other's both spiritual and physical burdens. It's an amazing thing. An environment like this, and this is, I'm actually ending here. The environment in, the, in this church, what he's calling for, is to obey the royal law, to love each other as Christ has loved each of us. You are not going to confess your sin to someone that doesn't love you. That will be hard. If you don't feel loved, cared for, comforted, if you feel you're in a political church or you're just going to be judged, that's why we're always stripping away with self-righteousness. You think you're all that in a bag of chips. I get it, but it's all a front. And he's calling us together, not just the elders, you notice. The elders, yes, it's significant. I, I take that role with fear and trembling. But for each other to confess one's sins. There's something about it that has a healing. There's healing in it. And as long as we, we are in this backbiting and sinful place, which, which James speaks through the whole letter, this is not going to happen. And it's just weird. How many of you guys grew up in the church? Many, I mean, a lot of experiences are kind of weird. You know, love, 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 agape love. Loving each other enough to challenge on sin. That's an interesting thing. Because most of us think loving each other to not even think about it. No, no, it's all good. But think about it in the natural realm. Think about if somebody's actually sick with multiple different cancers. or if it, 
would you, if you had the solution or some, some understanding of what the solution might be, would you not articulate that? Would you not? It's amazing how evangelical people are with everything but the gospel. Flat earthers, you can't get enough. That's all it is. I'm going to convert you to flat earth. What about Jesus getting saved? Oh, okay, that's not. Or any other whatever, whatever uh, end times thoughts you have on, on the nation of Israel. On the, that, that's all they're on. Oh, that we as be as passionate about the gospel of Jesus Christ on this planet, not for heaven's coming, we're all going there. Either he's coming here or we're going there. But as we are on earth to see all that he died for in the church. That yes, all out there, they're trying to divide. It's all over. They, they, people are called racist. They're called all manner of horrific things to divide the people. It should not be so in the church. We are all Christians first, and whatever country we came from, second. Is he got a different spirit that he gives to people from other countries? Or is it the same, same spirit? And in that, there's a submission to one another. There's a love for one another. Just relax. You don't have to be the best at everything. Or maybe you need to start pitching in. Not everyone's here to serve you. The kingdom is alive. It's people. It's coming together. It's not the clergy lay. It's, not, it's meant to be alive. The language used in the New Testament has got nothing to do with business, and yet the church can look very business-like. It's a family. What's the key in your family to healthy children? Number one kids, things the kids need to know. Love. The issues that you have from your childhood and the family you grew up in probably revolves in some level around that. You are not loved, and you've reacted to that. And that same mindset that created that and the calluses on your heart, you've brought into the kingdom. And you've got, to find, you've got to become square with the Father to know that you're loved through His Son. That you're forgiven of sin. Are we square, Father? Yes. Then we can go forth with each other. But if you're not square with Him, we won't be square with each other. You become selfish. Why? Because you can't trust anyone else to take care of you. It's the orphan spirit. Orphans just look out for themselves. Do you know you have a heavenly Father? who loved you so much he sent his only son to die for you. That while you were yet a sinner, a rebel, one who had had nothing to do with him, he still loved you and sent his son for you. It's a remarkable story that we are a part of. And it's all this is to, to encourage us to come together here and embrace the royal law. This is my commandment I give to you, John 13, that you love one another. But don't get your definition of love from the world. Look at Jesus' life. You want to see what love looks like? Go to 1 Corinthians 13. Look at the way Jesus lived. That is the expression of love. Because God is love. And he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Watch Jesus. Watch him through the, read the book. Oh, wow, okay. That's what love looks like. Let's pray together. If you could stand with me. I'm going to ask the guys to come. Father, we just uh, we thank you for your word. Your word is truth. We thank you that truth is not just language. It's a person. You shall know Jesus, the truth, and the truth will set you free. You are the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. I just want to say, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know the Father, open your hearts. At least ask him, if you're real, speak to me. Lord, we we yield to you our mouths and our hearts. Lord, we yield to you just that you would impart just a a love in this 
us as a church where we can actually confess sins one to another, that we can lay hands on each other, that we can anoint with oil and see movement of the kingdom of God in our lives. We are not content to make peace with Goliath. We're not content to kind of have him living in the upstairs attic and he stomps around sometimes, but other than that, he's contained. We want to be free people. Free for ourselves and free for the people around us. Lord, we believe that your gospel is the power of God unto salvation. We just look to walk that out, Lord. Not to just to have knowledge, not to just study, but to have its articulation in our bodies. We look to you as Lord, our healer. Lead us in the way, Lord. We don't pretend to know it all. We just take your hand in faith and say, yes, Lord, I believe. I believe, Jesus, you are the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you're buried. I believe you're sitting at the right hand of the Father. We declare that over our lives, that we are free people. That we are not constrained by the things of this world. We have tasted of Babylon. We've tasted, it sucks. We don't want it. All the weirdness and brokenness. We want to be light in this world. We want to call out in a clear, a clear articulation of the trumpet to the world around us. Come unto Jesus. We lift you high, Lord. Lead us now. Lead us, Lord, I pray. Just going to ask the Holy Spirit that you would just minister, that you would draw. We are, it's you, Lord, that does the work. Just as we're going to sing this last song, just, to, just open your hearts to what God would say to you and lead you. I understand you got things to be at. I, I get all that, but please be present. Thank you, Lord.